Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topics and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now, here's your host, award-winning certified exit planning advisor, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the exit planning podcast show for business owners. Our guest for this episode is the co-founder of a firm that specializes in creating and building as many successful startups and founders as possible. In fact, we're going to be talking about the rise of the non-technical entrepreneur today, and I cannot wait to get into this interview. But first, we're going to hear from our show sponsors. Right now, there's a record number of buyers looking for businesses, and many businesses are selling at a premium. To get a free confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth, contact a broker at Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880. We're Minnesota's largest seller of companies. Let us help you maximize your life's work. Call 612-455-0880 or visit sunbeltmidwest.com. What we see with many businesses is that they've never gotten marketing to work consistently and the marketing they do doesn't meaningfully impact their bottom line. Data approaches it differently by partnering with clients for long-term, sustainable marketing solutions. They start with a consultative, crawl, walk, run approach that helps you scale your marketing efforts naturally. Data provides marketing for the long-time success of your business to tell your story in a compelling way and to make sure the value you bring is apparent to everyone. Go to data.com for more information. That's D-A-Y-T-A dot com. Trustpoint will design and manage a 401k plan that fits your company's needs. They handle everything from record keeping and investments to employee education and ongoing administration. And they take on the highest level of fiduciary responsibility to ensure your 401k plan is compliant. You already have plenty to keep you up at night. Your 401k plan should not be one of them. Visit TrustPointInc.com for more details. For business owners, it can be overwhelming to start planning a transition or exit strategy, but it's so important to avoid unwanted outcomes and unexpected tax bills. The CPAs at JAK, John A. Knudsen & Company, can guide you and help make sense of the numbers. Our firm was established over 90 years ago, and we've assisted countless companies with ownership transitions. Leaving your business is a process that takes time. So contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at jakcpa.com. That's jakcpa.com. We're here in the studio today with Colin Herdman, who is the co-founder of Monkey Island Adventures. And wow, this is going to be a super interesting show. Colin, welcome to Poised for Exit. Yeah, thanks, Julie. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. We've been... um, uh, talking here before the show started about all of the very interesting things that Colin and his partners are doing. Um, we're going to hear all about that at Monkey Island Adventures. But first, I just want to hear about like the work that you do. How did you get into it? How did Monkey Island Adventures 
get off the ground. It's a really cool story. So yeah, no, happy to share it. And just to <laughs> yeah. clarify, the yeah, the company name's Monkey Island Ventures. Oh, ventures. But we have been on many adventures as well. So well, yeah. you know that that's probably um, one of those mental slips of mine because I, when I thought of Monkey Island, I thought adventure. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's ventures because you guys have got all kinds of things going on. Yeah, yeah, no, that yeah. that that's great. So yeah, the my uh, work life has been very much um, entrepreneurial. So I started my first company a week after graduating from college with a criminal justice degree that I mm. subsequently never used. Mm. Um, never have taken a business marketing or finance course. And uh, yeah, it was kind of trial by fire. Um, and that first company, I sold that in 2006. And in 2007, started Monkey Island Ventures with uh, Josh and Zach. So mm-hmm. two childhood friends. We've all known each other since we were around five years old. And Monkey Island's the name of a park that we played at when we were kids located in St. Paul. So and, cool. Uh, yeah, it's just been a wonderful journey with those two. Um, highly recommend going into business with with friends as long as you have it structured right and um, understand um, you know roles and what each of you want out of the experience. Well, I think that what you just said, the latter part of what you just said is what you'd need to underline and emphasize, right? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I looked at that, well, more than once on, at your website and, and how you guys got together and, and those childhood pictures and the park and everything. Mm. Um, it's such a great story uh, of how you've gotten to the place where you are now. And that's that's a lot of years. Yep. So you clearly uh, appreciate each other's strengths because I'm sure they're not all the same. Nope. Right, oh. and uh, you've you've hung together. You trust each other, and you've built some really amazing companies. Yeah, no, it's been it's it's you know it still absolutely has had its ups and downs. One of the things that I think we've always been incredibly interested in is just entrepreneurship. Uh, the beauty of being an entrepreneur, creating something from nothing, um, bringing. Uh, you know, expertise and ideas, uh, revenue generating activities into the world, uh, providing jobs, um, making your clients happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's it's a wonderful uh, career path. And it's something that we want to, to help, you know, more people see as a viable option for themselves. And those that have chosen that path, we want to help them. Um, and that's been a, a big focus in a lot of our volunteer efforts and um, some of the focus of our, of, of our service companies. Fantastic, I I love the, the the value proposition that that you you have several of them on your website, but the one that that says create as many successful founders as possible. Mm-hmm. I plugged that into the opener of the show today um, because it just resonated with me, and I also, as you probably know, have a passion for working with entrepreneurs. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, and uh, I truly believe that it is the 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 glue that holds the country together, but it also is the grease that turns the wheel of our economy. If we didn't have small business, if we didn't have yeah. privately owned business and people with ideas that that just take a risk and make it happen, um, people wouldn't have a place to work. That's most, so true. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, whatever we can do to perpetuate that, right? Yes, and absolutely. create happiness and joy yes. at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm all over that. So, yeah. All right. Uh, the title of this show is really compelling. The rise of the non-technical entrepreneur. Tell me what that means and yeah. and why are we focusing on that today? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, for us, it's kind of a culmination of our own experiences. Josh, Zach, and I are non-technical entrepreneurs, and we have built at least probably 12 
um, technology companies, most of them like SaaS, so building um, software as a service companies. Um, so having gone through that experience starting in kind of the mid-2000s, uh, 2006, uh, we have seen seismic shifts in how entrepreneurs are able, non-technical entrepreneurs are able to utilize technology uh, to build uh, technology-based companies. Mm. Uh, so the barriers that used to exist just really don't exist anymore. And that's on a, a few different layers. One, the technology, the software. So uh, there's no code, low code tools out there to help you build software. Uh, you know, AI will continue to play a larger and larger role in terms of helping people build technology. Uh, there's also the global workforce, um, which really plays a huge role in reducing the cost to, to have software built. So you know, for us, we've seen a lot of these trends coming together right now that are really allowing anyone with an idea to think about how they could turn that into a software product that uh, they would be able to bring into the market, test, iterate, and see if it has any legs. And so I think that's really the biggest thing for us is there's lots and lots of entrepreneurs coming out of the woodwork. I think younger generations see that Mm -hmm. as a more viable option than um, historically what uh, previous generations had thought. And uh, with technology and and global uh, access to talent, it's just a wonderful time. Uh, Never been a better time for entrepreneurs to utilize software to, to grow their companies. And are we talking about any specific industries, Colin? No, I mean, the clients that we've served uh, have been in all types of um, industries, uh, whether Good. it's healthcare, lawn care, restaurants, yeah. uh, just all over the place. So uh, technology is ubiquitous. It's hitting us everywhere all the time. It's getting sure. infused into pretty much everything. Yes. Uh, and it's it's really up to the in, the individual entrepreneurs to be able to identify those pain points, mm-hmm. like we were talking off air, uh, and identifying what it is that they could build to address those pain points and build something of value that people would want. So before the show, we were talking about an idea that I had, and you and I were kind of batting it back and forth for a couple of minutes, and you shared with me um, the process that you use to help someone with an idea to mm. actually kind of map it out mm-hmm. or put some kind of flow to it. Mm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And and so is would you say that when you talk about your process, is that what you start with? Yeah. For us, we typically will do a discovery call just to chat with the mm-hmm. entrepreneur. And again, a lot of these entrepreneurs, they have existing businesses. Right. It doesn't mean that they're you know, starting something net new, they may have an existing business and they see an opportunity to build software to augment that business mm-hmm. and scale that business in ways that um, they traditionally weren't able to do. And uh, so through that discovery call, if it makes sense, uh, we will bring them into what's called a Clarity Canvas, which is a free one and a half hour workshop where we work through the software idea with the entrepreneur. And at the end of that, they leave having clarity with how they can build it, obstacles, how to think about building software. Hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's super fun. I'm sure it's a blast. (laughs) I'm sure it's a blast. So tell us about Ladders of Wealth Creation. Yeah, yeah, this is a really wonderful article that Nathan Berry wrote uh, five years ago. He 
built ConvertKit, which is, I believe, a $100 million company now. And the Ladders of Wealth Creation is a wonderful way to think about how you can scale yourself and your business. Uh, I won't go into too many details, but essentially there's four ladders. The first ladder is working for someone else. Mm -hmm. The second ladder is operating a service company where you're selling your hours or your team's hours at an hourly rate. The third ladder is productized services where you're selling services, but they're generally bundled into a price where you're not giving your hourly rate. And the fourth ladder are products. So it could be physical products, but it could also be digital products. And the premise is that you have these four ladders. Each ladder is more difficult to jump to. Sure. And then there's multiple rungs on each ladder. So if you read the article, if you go to Google and just type in ladders of wealth creation, that mm. will be the very first article that pops up. And each rung on the ladder is also more difficult to get to. But each ladder and each rung is also more scalable and more profitable. And so when you're getting to the, the fourth ladder, the top rung of the fourth ladder are online marketplaces like Uber, eBay, Facebook, incredibly scalable, highly profitable, but also incredibly difficult to succeed at. Mm-hmm. And But what it does, it starts to put the entrepreneur in a frame of mind of how they can grow their company in ways that make it more scalable and make it more profitable. Okay. So trying to unpack this a little bit, right? I, I, I work with a lot of business owners, mm-hmm. and, I, and I have a lot of business owners that actually listen to the show, as you know, mm-hmm. which is why you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that, that scalability... Uh, growing the value of the business, growing the business, right? Not just to make it more valuable, but to make it more fun, make it more um, efficient, profitable, all those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's on the minds of pretty much every entrepreneur I talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yep. And so let's talk more about this, right? Um, I, I, I think, you know, when you said in the beginning of the show, you talked about how you know, it, it wasn't really within reach for the non-technical entrepreneur years ago, but it is now. Mm-hmm. And so this is a complete like mindset shift, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For non-technical people like me, mm-hmm. right? Um, but but who have ideas and who know that if, if I had this one thing, right? So as they say, right? Necessity, the mother of invention. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah. So do you have maybe um, an example, a story that emphasizes this, that illustrates this? Yeah. Actually, I will use the, we created this uh, kind of stages. It's the five stages of scaling a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will specifically talk about uh, software, but it would definitely fall into, let's say you're a, a service-based company now and you're maybe on ladder two where you're selling your services by the hour. Maybe you're on ladder three where you have productized services. To get to ladder four, uh, you would want to create some type of uh product, whether that's physical or a digital product. Well, when we think about the five stages of, of scaling a business, using software, we'll use that as, as kind of the conduit for how you might scale on the product side is through software. The first step is having a vision for what it is that you want to build. Okay, so you're in your business, you identify some pain points within your business that could be solved potentially with software. And it doesn't have to be some giant grandiose idea. Sure. It could be something that is small, that you realize is a big pain point in your business, and you think, okay, if I developed a small, lightweight piece of software to start, 
I think I could make a really wonderful experience for my internal team and or customers. So then the next step is to build the MVP, which is the minimum viable product, the kind of the smallest, most lightweight version that you can build that is attacking that pain and addressing that pain in a way that the software is able to manage. You're also having your internal team and your uh, customers testing that product and giving you feedback. And that's where iteration is so important. You want to develop software very quickly with a lot of iterations and feedback loops. Once you have this MVP and you've started to prove out that you're creating a good experience for your team and your customers, and it is addressing those pain points, then you move on to stage three, which would be bringing that as a unique uh, value proposition into the market to help you start to scale your business. So let's say you have this software, it's creating a better experience for your team and for customers, and you can demonstrate that. You can do demos and say, hey, we provide these services, but we also have our own proprietary software, and it does this, and it makes the experience better, and you can't get that from any of our competitors. Right Now you have something really unique, mm-hmm. and you can use that to help you begin to scale your company, close more business. The software is helping you scale. Then the fourth stage is really, and this is what a lot of business owners will really love, entrepreneurs, is by having a provable product that is helping you scale your company that now has been demonstrated, you've added a multiple to the value of your business. Of course. You've made your business much more unique, much more desirable by people that might want to invest, people that might want to buy it if you want to exit, right? So um, that's really the beauty of... Uh, looking at discrete software as a differentiator. Now, some owners, uh, entrepreneurs, might stop at stage four. Uh, But there is the last stage, which is stage five, uh, which gives you hyperscalability. But what it would require is that you are now taking this discrete piece of software and you are offering it to all of your peers slash competitors really in the marketplace where they are all experiencing the same pain that you are, Mm -hmm. but now you're able to sell that software in a scalable way that is a SaaS product, software as a service, Mm -hmm. and that gets you almost to the top of the fourth ladder for the ladders of wealth creation. And that's where true scale happens. Insane Mm -hmm. profitability SaaS products, when they are able to scale, uh, is a whole new level, really, of uh, opportunity in terms of revenue um, and profit uh, because it's very much you're scaling based off of uh, really technology, computers. You're not scaling with with people, per se. So it's just a very different model. So some some companies, um, entrepreneurs will stop after stage four. Some will continue into stage five and really try and scale their, their software idea into their, into their industry. Mm-hmm. So, but that, that's a, a great framework to think about uh, how to kind of go up the ladders of wealth creation. Um, and those are five very tangible stages that entrepreneurs can use when thinking about growing their company uh, through software. Well, I think that uh, when we get into business, the most important thing that we can do is is make it a profitable business and scale the business. I I always like to, you know, compare a business to a tree. If it if it's not growing, it's dead, right? Mm-hmm. And so businesses need to grow. And like I said before, I think that 
sometimes owners have a hard time trying to figure out new ways to be able to scale and to differentiate because differentiation is huge, right? Um, many of them are looking for ways to exit or they're just looking for, you know, like we talked about, ways to scale. So um, I, I know you guys have got uh, a program called a shared success agreement, and I, I want to touch on that. And then I want to get back to the Clarity Canvas and a couple of client stories. Yeah, for sure. So, so let's talk about shared success agreement first, and then yeah. we'll go back to... Yeah, so speaking of stories, I'll, I'll start with a story with shared success. Uh, so there's yeah. a product that we created back in 2013, I would say. Uh, two products. One was called Local Tweeps, and we built it on top of Twitter. And we scaled very quickly. We signed up around 30,000 users in two days. We were a trending topic on Twitter. Again, this was back in the early days of Twitter. And what was really interesting about that product is it would localize Twitter users around zip codes, and then city and state. And it would allow you to meet and find other Twitter users uh, around you, which was uh, you know, just a really fun uh, product to, to yeah. work on. But we didn't make any money on it. We didn't have any kind of a monetization model. So the next product we built was called SMB Tweet. And that product would grow a Twitter following for a local retail establishment, like a coffee shop or a pub, mm. uh, places that want... Twitter followers that could actually walk in and, and buy something. Mm-hmm. And the because Zach, Josh, and I are not technical, we hired a local developer to help us build it. And the local developer said, guys, I know you're in bootstrap mode. My normal rate is $100 an hour, but I'll charge you $50 an hour to build the MVP. But once you start generating revenue from the product... I want to get paid out at $150 an hour on all the time that I put into it. And we said, okay, that sounds, that sounds like a, a good deal. We'll do it. So mm-hmm. he got paid $50 an hour to build the MVP. So he was satisfied with at least what he knew he was going to get to build the MVP. Once the MVP launched, we started generating revenue. The product was a great product. Uh, ultimately, we had to shut it down because Twitter changed their terms of use, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But... He ended up getting paid out at $150 an hour and all the hours that he put in. So he had an additional income stream coming in, and he didn't have to put in any more time. So it was great for him. And for us, we got our MVP built, and we did not have to give up any equity. And so that was really kind of the, the kernel of the idea behind a shared success agreement, which uh, at its core, you know, you're really uh, deciding to give up uh, you know, some of your instant revenue mm-hmm. for a share of um, future revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, it's a great model. So it's, it's it an alternative model, to yeah. equity or debt, yeah. uh, crowdfunding. Uh, mm-hmm. And the way that the, so we created a site called sharedsuccessagreement.org where anyone can go there and they can create these shared success agreements for free. There's a calculator on there. So if you are a service provider, you can go in and you can say, okay, uh, maybe my project fee is 50000 I'm going to do 50% shared success, 50% normal rate, and I am going to expect a 3x multiple on the 25000 that I'm putting in shared success, so that's 75000 I want to earn 5% of the revenue from this company to pay me back. I expect to get payback over the course of four years or five years, uh, and then you can play around with those numbers, but then you can see what your return is. And uh, once you kind of have your numbers where you want them, you hit submit, 
put in your email, and it will email you a Word document with all the legalese in there. You still need to, you know, finalize it and and, and look at the details. But it's just a wonderful alternative to help uh, founders, entrepreneurs get in partnership with vendors and service providers and a really a win-win type of a relationship. And so shared success we've done with some of our Cloudburst clients, not all of them, and it's really worked out wonderfully well. And so that's one of the one of the ways that we also differentiate Cloudburst, but it's also something that we're just giving back to to the community, um, the entrepreneurial community in a way that we think will really benefit them and the vendors that they want to work with. The last thing I'll say is you can also receive money through a shared success agreement. Um, and so you can actually receive funding through shared success through the crowdfunding equity laws. Uh, so um, that's a kind of a nice perk, a new way of looking at how you can um, bring revenue in from investors through a shared success agreement. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And then the risk is is a lot less too, right? And um, Yeah, it's not guaranteed, right? right. So sure. the, the it's it's not debt. So yes. if, if the entrepreneur isn't able to pay it back, then they don't get paid. But um, you know, if if the entrepreneur is able to to succeed with the business, and a lot of times this is off of existing businesses that are already doing well, sure. it um, it it has a lot less risk in that regard. So, yeah. and shared success agreements can turn into equity later on if you want, or maybe it's a first step in establishing a relationship and trust between yeah, the two parties. Thinking. But yeah, like yeah. less risk for the owner, not necessarily the investor, but. You know, for for the owner, like you said, you mm-hmm. didn't have to give up any equity, and um, yeah, I, I think that that's a really a good viable model in a lot of situations. So um, let's really quick go back to Clarity Canvas. I know you have a client story around that too. Before we wrap up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, there was a, a you know a client of ours in the the healthcare industry that uh, had a really robust idea around providing in home healthcare. And we went through the idea, and he had just really well thought out and ended up hiring us to to build the first version of the product. And ultimately, the product really started to scale. They were using it, obviously, for their internal team. They were uh, creating partnerships and were getting uh, you know people that were using the app to... Uh, get in-home uh, healthcare in, in their homes. And, you know, with mm. the, uh, the pandemic and, and whatnot, that really also helped kind of bolster their, their business. And to, it, it, to this day, they're, you know, growing by leaps and bounds and are just doing phenomenally well. So mm. that, that, that's one, you know, another uh, is in the lawn care space where the founder had an idea to uh, build software to help manage the snow removal, lawn care, and was really dissatisfied with the software products that were out in the marketplace. Sure. So I think that is also a a big pain point where, you know, he had expertise in the industry. He knew what software was out there. He was really unhappy with it Mm -hmm. and decided to, uh, you know, build a version that was really starting to control everything that he was doing in terms of running his business. It controlled his teams. It controlled, uh, you know, the way that he's communicating with with customers uh, and really digitizing his business uh, in wow. some really robust ways. So, so this is an app that you wrote for them, or yep, okay, yep, 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 yeah. yep, a full blown really software product, and uh, yeah. So, you know, those the, both of those products got fairly large in scope. Uh, but you always want to start 
small and address yep. you know, what's kind of that acute pain mm-hmm. that, 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 that you want to fix first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really, again, some of what we work through in a, in a clarity canvas is to understand, you know, if you were to start creating the MVP, what would that start to look like and not to overbuild? And the MVP stands for again the minimum viable product. So what mm-hmm. is what is that right version that first version that you can launch that will satisfy the needs of the intended audience? Walk before you run. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Well, geez, super awesome. Could keep going here, but we can't. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, thanks so much, Colin. Um, God, I'm sure our listeners are just like taking copious notes, and we'll be probably listening to this two or three more times. We'll have to have you back in the studio again to tell yeah. more stories and share more of your wisdom. Um, but I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks, thanks so, much. so much. Yeah, yeah. no, I really appreciate you having yeah. me. And uh, thank you to our listeners for your shares and your subscribes and your notes. Uh, really appreciate your support. We'll see you again next time.